Welcome back to Dist Media, a startup story. My name is Ben Olmos, founder and CEO of Dist Media. This is a podcast where I take you along my journey of starting Dist Media from the ground up. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. I'm happy you found us and hopefully you'll like what you hear. For those of you coming back, I'm glad that we piqued your interest enough for you to return, and I hope that you enjoy this next step in our journey. This show is all about documenting Dist Media's startup journey and keeping you in the loop every step of the way. I'll be keeping you up to date on meetings, phone calls, emails, and all the things that I need to do to get this business up and running. So with that, let's pick up where we left off last time. So in our last episode, I let you in on our very first board meeting, and that was an opportunity for everybody to meet all of those who were on the board, listen to some of their background, and hopefully you understood why I brought all of these great people together. Coming out of that meeting, there was a lot that I needed to do. And, you know, quite honestly, there's a lot that just needs to be done when setting up a company. But the primary tasks that I was trying to get taken care of next were setting up our corporation, as well as thinking more about content. And how was I going to solve this problem of creating a website? And, you know, doing this podcast is one thing because this in itself is content. But if we're going to drive people to a news website, you would expect that when they get there, that there would be some content there, some news, something interesting to read. And so that was something that was weighing heavy on my mind as well. But first things first, I really wanted to get the corporation set up. And from the meeting that we had, there was a little bit of debate as to whether or not we should set up the corporation in Delaware versus Georgia. But overwhelmingly, the board felt that Delaware was the better place to establish ourselves. Now, I fully trust the advice of my board, but something else that I was thinking about was when you consider companies like Coca-Cola, Delta, Home Depot, all of which are headquartered here in the Atlanta metro area, all of those companies too have a Delaware C corporation. So considering that as well as the advice of my board, I really felt like I was going down the right path in incorporating in Delaware. Now, I realize that there may be some folks out there who wonder, you know, why Delaware? What is the big deal about Delaware? Well, to put it simply, Delaware has a tax advantage for companies that are registering there. And the tax advantage is not just for the companies that are registered there, but for the shareholders as well, because shareholders don't have to pay taxes on shares that are issued to them from a Delaware C-Corp. Now, don't get me wrong, this doesn't mean that you avoid taxes altogether. It just means that when those shares are issued to you, you're not going to have to pay taxes on them. Another benefit is that you can set up a corporation, at least a C-Corp, very quickly in the state of Delaware, and residency isn't a requirement. So it means that you can set up a company with a really kind of basic structure. There's no need to publicize the officers or the directors of the company, and you can do all of this through a registering agent who will be able to get your paperwork filed with the state and quickly get your corporation established in the state. And lastly, another thing, and I think Matt may have alluded to this in our board meeting as well, but generally, if you're going to be a company that is raising funds, most of the time, angel investors or other investors are going to find a Delaware C corporation a little bit easier to work with. And though I am not a big dollar investor myself, I would say that I would imagine the tax 
advantages related to share distribution probably have something to do with that as well. And while there are many advantages to registering in Delaware as a C-Corp, it is not necessarily something that I would consider if you were a less complicated structure. Maybe if you were an LLC or an S-Corp, probably registering within your state would be much easier to do and less complicated because, as mentioned before, one of the things that comes with creating a corporation, I mentioned this in a previous episode, are the tax implications that go along with it. If you're a smaller organization, there are probably no significant tax savings per se. I would say even at the scale that Dismedia is today, there are probably more disadvantages early on than there are advantages. But the hope is that we are going to be able to grow Dismedia into something greater than it is today. And along with that is going to come an increased amount of value in the company. And as that value increases, there will be a tipping point where being a Delaware C Corp will be more advantageous to us than it will be a detriment to our existence. And I also say this too, because it means that we are going to ultimately have to file our income and revenue paperwork in three different places. We're going to have to do it in the state that we reside in, which is Georgia. We're going to have to do it in Delaware because that's where we're incorporated. And then, of course, we also have to file our financial statements with the IRS as well. So in the short run, it does make things a little bit more complicated and probably a little more costly. But we're hoping, my hope is, that over time, all of this stuff is going to pan out and make it a little bit easier down the road. Another thing to keep in mind is that if you are registering a corporation in the state of Delaware, then you have to have a registered agent, which is a person who resides in the state, who's going to be the person who submits all of the paperwork and your registration and your annual renewals to the state of Delaware. And you can't do this with anybody who resides outside of the state of Delaware, which is why you have to have a registered agent to get all of that stuff done for you. Lastly, the other thing that could be something, and we hope that it wouldn't necessarily turn into something, but as Leslie Ann pointed out in the last episode, that if anybody were to bring suit against Dist Media, uh, we would have to represent ourselves in the state of Delaware, which means that we would have to appear in court in Delaware, and we would have to have a licensed Delaware attorney representing us. So with all that running through my mind, you know, as far as getting incorporated and where to incorporate, the next big step I really had to think about was who I was going to use as a service to register us. And there were a few recommendations that were thrown out. Uh, Matt had actually mentioned a company called Stripe Atlas. Uh, Keith had mentioned a company that he had worked with in the past. And then I also went online and looked at a couple companies as well. I want to make mention as I explain this next part that no, we are not sponsored. There is no company that is telling me to say good things about them. And to that point, I am also not speaking negatively about any of these companies I chose not to use. Every company I'm about to mention here is a good company and are a good fit for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. But when I thought about what I was looking for, and I'll walk you through that in a moment, I ended up using somebody that really kind of spoke the most 
to me and what my needs were for the project that I was doing, which was creating and putting formal structure to Dist Media. So with that said, some of the online companies that I looked at were Rocket Lawyer, Inc. Now, First Base, and LegalZoom. And all of these options were good. I found that from a pricing standpoint, most of them were all about the same. They ranged anywhere from $350 to $500. And most of them, in fact, all of them had a very core set of things that they did. With that said, here are some of the online companies that I looked at. I looked at a company by the name of Rocket Lawyer, uh, Inc. Now, First Base and Legal Zoom, and there was one other I, I couldn't recall before I started recording this podcast what their name was, and I searched through my junk mail because usually when you sign up with these things, all of a sudden you start getting all sorts of mail solicitations from them, especially if you decide not to use them. But I uh, could not locate their name. But regardless, what I did find was common across all of these companies was they were going to satisfy the base need that I had, which was registering the company, getting all the documents that I needed, having everything formalized, even going so far as to establish your EIN with the uh, IRS. Your EIN is your employment identification number, which is kind of like your social security number for your business. And for doing all of that, most of them had a cost between $350 to $500. One of the things that I found was kind of the distinguishing factor across all of these companies was some of them did a better job with their web user interface, because again, you're doing a lot of this stuff online. Some of them did a really good job of helping people who have absolutely no idea how to go and set up everything that they need to set up. And they have all sorts of links to give you information about why you're answering this or answering that. And some of those things I didn't necessarily need, but I understood the importance of having them there. And then other companies, uh, as I looked at the price and the price range, something that I did find is that, as mentioned, you have to every year renew your registration. And so you have to work through your registered agent to re-register your business. And I found that that's where the variation in some of these companies were. Some of them had a higher annual charge to do this than others. And this isn't to say, by the way, you can change who your registered agent is later on. But for me, I tend to like to be a little bit routine. And so once I go with something, I'm probably going to stick with it. So I didn't see myself wanting to change different companies very often. I also then took that renewal as a consideration for who I was going to go with. And I ended up going with Stripe Atlas, not just because their renewal fee was lower than some of the other options that I was choosing, but Stripe Atlas was a company that I found really did a good job uh, for a company that was a little bit uh, startup minded. If you take a moment to go to Stripe Atlas and uh, you can test this out for yourself, if you like, you can pretend like you're going to start a business and they'll walk you through all the steps. Now, keep in mind, one of the things you will have to do is set up a Stripe account. So, um, and that is something that actually comes in a little bit handy. I'll explain later why. But when you go and you set up your uh, Stripe Atlas account, 
it walks you through all of the things that you need to do as if you are someday going to you know sell this company they talk about having uh, founders and they talk about uh, splitting out shares and and you know have putting room in your agreement so that you can create equity shares with other people who are going to be working with you in the company so from that standpoint it was really good but even more so they offered documents that helped me and would certainly help other businesses as well that were kind of over and above uh, the other things that we needed to do for the business. So they have, for example, templates that will help you hire people, help you uh, with non-disclosure agreements. They also did a really good job, uh, I found, with the uh, 83B document that needs to be filed. And I'll explain a little bit more about 83B in a moment. But suffice it to say, that's a document that needs to go to the RRS that talks about the amount of shares that you have acquired in the formation of your company. They provide that document already kind of filled out and ready to go. So all you got to do is download it and mail it off to the IRS. So lots of different advantages uh, that they had. And overall, I just liked the user interface as well. Now, something that I mentioned is that you have to set up a Stripe account and why that is something that is advantageous for Disc Media is because down the road, there is the ambition for Disc Media to have content behind a paywall and no word on what that content is going to be. We're still too early for that, but we know that at some point we are going to engage people in saying, hey, if you would like to have more of some of these things that we're doing, you can access more through this paywall service. And if you do that, we would need to have a backend integration that allows us to process things like credit cards and payments. And maybe if there's a subscription service down the road, we want to have all of that stuff integrated and having a Stripe account set up, ready to go. And Stripe has some just overall really good integration tools for a business like what we're doing that it just made sense overall to do the incorporation with Stripe Atlas, set up the back end, all of that wonderful stuff. Everything just kind of fit together really nicely. Now, the other thing that I mentioned was that Stripe Atlas had a pre-filled out 83B form, which by the way, it's a very simple form, but it's also a very important form that you have to complete and get sent into the IRS. Now, not every company has to do this. This is primarily because we're a C-Corp. We have shares that we've issued issued. And as a primary shareholder of this company, there's a, a value that is associated with those shares. And just like most things, when it comes to business, one of some of the reasons why you do things is because there's a tax advantage for being able to do that. And that is kind of what the 83B form does is it helps you to uh, get taxed in a way that isn't going to cost you a whole lot of money down the road. So in the U.S., we have a graduated tax system. And, you know, many people here in the U.S. are familiar with that. And basically what that looks like is that if you make a certain number of dollars a year, you get taxed at a, a particular rate. And as you make more money, that rate goes up. It's the same for corporations. And it's also the same for stock that gets issued because that stock is issued to a person with a value associated with it. 
Right now, Dist Media is very young, we're very new, and our value, quite honestly, is very, very low at this point. But the ambition of any entrepreneur and a business owner is to raise the value of the company and make it worth something greater than it is today. So one of the reasons that you file the 83B form is to ensure that you are stating what the value of the stock was at the time that it was issued to you. And why this is important is because down the road, you may sell some of that stock. And, you know, let's say Dist Media down the road is bought out by another company. It means that the value of the company will have raised and the value of that stock will have raised. And we want to make sure that when we say what the value of our stock is as we sell it, that we are appropriately valuing that stock for what it was purchased at and what it has grown to rather than saying this has been the value all along. Now, I certainly could have messed up that explanation. I have to admit the 83B form is a little bit new to me. However, if you happen to have a little bit more insight, if you want to leave some comments uh, for me about it in the uh, show notes, feel free to do so. You can go over to dismedia.com and locate the uh, Startup Story podcast and feel free to leave us a comment. Let me know maybe where I got something wrong or something else that I need to add to all this. So at the end of the day, after going through all the registration process, getting everything signed up, it was an out-of-pocket cost to get Dist Media going as a Delaware C Corp of about $500. Which, by the way, you know, as we continue down this journey, not only am I going to be sharing, you know, a lot about this company, what we're doing and how we're building it and how we're, we're putting things together to make it all work. But as we're going along, I'll be transparent too about things like this, you know, costs and startup costs and what it takes to do certain things. Because I think that part of telling the story about a company is not just about all of the uh, tasks and actions that you need to do to get things done, but also, you know, some of the real world costs that go along with this. Now, as I mentioned, you know, there are a lot of different types of corporate structures. And because of the ambitions that I have for Dist Media, this is the direction that I have chosen to go with this company. But for those who are maybe listening to this and thinking about doing their own business and starting their own company, please know that there's a lot of different structures that are out there. And I would say that at the very least, you want to make sure that you create what is uh, called a separation and protection for your uh, personal assets. And the best way to do that is to first register your company with your home state. And you'll find that this fee is usually, we'll just say about 50 to maybe $100 to formally register your company as a company in the US. The next thing that I would do is get your EIN set up. This is something that you can do absolutely free on the U.S. government website. You go to irs.gov. It will walk you through how to set up an EIN. And be mindful of the fact that once you do that, there are some ongoing maintenance things that you need to do each and every year to make sure that these things stay compliant and up to date. But I guarantee you, it's a very simple thing to do. It doesn't take much time, but you 
you just need to be mindful that you do it. If you were to form a LLC or an S Corp, you could do that for much less than it costs for me to do the Delaware C Corp for Disc Media. So I don't want you to listen to this and think that, you know, you have to do something big and fancy and over the top like that. You need to do what is within the budget and confines of what you're trying to do. But it is also a very important thing to make sure that you put those protections in place between your company assets and your personal assets. So if something were to not go the way that you expect, that there is not a way for people to come after your personal assets just as well. All right, so with all that, we got Delaware C Corp set up, we got Disc Media going, and we also had bought the domain name discmedia.com. All of this stuff was working, running, and moving in the right direction. But something that came out of the meeting that we had that I needed to look into a little bit more was something around content. And one of the things that has been weighing on my mind is once we get the podcast out there, once people start hearing about Dist Media, chances are they're going to go to distmedia.com or they're going to go to the website that we set up for the publication. And once people start hitting those websites, I'd like for them to have something to see, which means I would like to have content. Now, one of the deals that I've made with the people who have come onto the board is that they have also, in exchange for taking a share of equity in the company, helping me out with their brilliant minds, they have also said that we will give you content that you can post on the site, which is going to be very beneficial. Number one, these are very smart people who are very wise and have good thoughts and insights about things. But number two, it's going to help me have content to present to people. Now, another strategy I have in my arsenal is I have also set aside some shares for what I am calling contributor shares. And the way contributor shares are going to work with Dist Media is that in exchange for content that you will create for Dist Media, I will carve out some shares for contributors. And contributors are going to be people that I select who have great wisdom, great intelligence, and great insight who are able to write and contribute pieces for Dist Media that follow along the theme of what we are doing and, and how I ultimately want to present information and media to our audiences. So for their content contributions, I will also be giving them a share in the company. And then as we build up our library. It is hopeful that we will have some monetization going on, not only with things like this podcast, but also with our website. And through that monetization, I will hit a breaking point where I can then start to pay freelance journalists and pay other contributors who are coming into the mix to continue to add to our content library. Now that's a great strategy, or at least I think so, but it still doesn't negate the fact that the question I have in my mind is, is this enough content? Is this enough stuff that people can come across that will find interesting, that will bring them back and make them want to read more. So one of the things Matt put out there as a suggestion was to buy a company that is already in existence, already has content, but the challenge with that was cost. 
I wasn't sure how much it was going to cost to do something like that, so I went on a search to try and find services that did exactly what Matt was suggesting. I figured in this day and age, there's got to be some place where somebody spins up web businesses and then decides later on they don't want to deal with them, and so they want to sell off the intellectual property. They want to sell off the value for the traffic that is being generated for the site. I ended up finding out that there were a couple services out there that did this, but the one that kept coming up time and time again was a company by the name of Flippa. What Flippa does is they have people with websites and content already on them that are looking to sell them. And, you know, one of the things that I found as I was looking through these is, you know, some of them seemed like they were just, you know, content aggregators. They were sites that collected a lot of information from other places and put them on their sites. Now, there were some sites also with original content. And by the way, in the price range that I was looking at, it's very likely that because I was looking at lower cost websites that this is just what I was finding. You know, a lot of sites that were more aggregation oriented than original content oriented. So, you know, I'm not saying that Flippa doesn't have good stuff. In fact, they have sites in all different kinds of price ranges and some that were way out of my own price range. But the point that I wanna make is that, you know, certainly there are, uh, companies out there that do this and I started going down this path I looked at probably you know half a dozen or more different types of websites that I felt fit what I was looking for and I watched them I watched them through this auction process and ultimately what I came to the realization of is you know if there are sites out there that have content aggregators on them then why not go and find some content aggregation plugin that I can add to WordPress and aggregate content on my own. And maybe this could solve my content dilemma. So I went out there and searched and a piece of software that I found, which kind of was, you know, higher up in the abilities to do what I was looking for is a uh, piece of software called WPRSS Aggregator. So something that might not be as known to some people who are listening to this is that most websites out there that are creating media content, news websites, magazine websites, a lot of them have what they call an RSS feed. RSS is an acronym for Real Simple Syndication. Basically what, what RSS does is it is a way of sending a signal to pieces of software that listen out for these signals to say, hey, when something new gets published, let all these people know. It's kind of like your radio signal and if you tell us piece of software, hey, listen to this station and let me know when something new comes out, they will do it and they'll bring it into a feed for you to look at. Now, Google does this all the time with their own news feed. And by the way, this is also how podcasts work. The way that you know a new episode has been put out is because there is a feed that is triggered. And as soon as that episode goes up, everybody's alerted that that episode has posted. That is what these aggregation systems do. And so what I did was I went out, I took a look at WPRSS, which happened to be a pretty good piece of software, and started testing this on 
I will call this my burner site, the site that I use to try all kinds of new things. So if you're listening to this podcast and you go check out the site bullshit.work, this is where I've been testing out my WordPress skills, my uh, other, you know, site building skills and, you know, really putting together kind of you know, some of the foundations for what I want uh, Dist Media to ultimately become and what I want our own publication to become. And rather than using a site that I want to be the professional image of what Dist Media is going to be, I thought I would use, you know, basically what I'm calling my test site uh, to put this content out there. So if you go check out bullshit.com, you will find that that is a news aggregation site that is basically pulling in all sorts of different kind of stories and feeds. And ultimately what it's doing is is helping me hone my tools in pulling in content and information that I am most interested in and then giving that a place where I can share that with other people as well. At the end of the day, what I found was that I decided not to buy a website and not buy a functioning domain I found that even though some of these domains did have original content on them, the content wasn't necessarily something that I was looking for for the things that I was trying to create. I just felt like it wasn't going to be the genuine stuff that I wanted to do. And in fact, even using a news aggregator, I don't know is going to be the best thing. Now, I say that, and in all honesty, I think as we start with our first media product, we are going to probably have some aggregated content out there. It's going to be very select. It will be very minimal, but it will also provide some additional content to the stuff that we already have. And then over time, we are going to shift to 100% pure content. So at least in you know week three or four of starting Disc Media, those are my thoughts around that. Um, it could change. Uh, we could, the next episode, I might tell you, forget it. I've ditched it all. Uh, it's all going to be original stuff. But right now, what I'm thinking is we're going to use aggregated content as an enhancer, but we are not going to by any means uh, use it as the primary source of content for the site. And this is because I really want to be focused on bringing in people who are thought leaders, who have a level of background and experience and the things that they're writing about, and that the content is genuine and that it comes from a real place. And this isn't to say that people who uh, are writing for pieces that content aggregators you know, pull in for uh, are not genuine. They absolutely are. But... I just want to make sure that the content that we're bringing in goes through our process of that content being cultivated and put out there under our branding and that it is not something that is in the tone of another kind of publication. So listen to me, like already I'm starting to talk myself out of even using news aggregators. So who knows? Uh, Right now, maybe news aggregator might not, but either way, I'll keep you posted. So as we look to bringing things to a a wrap here for this episode of A Startup Story, I wanted to at least share with you the process that I went through to get things up and going from an incorporation standpoint and some of the thoughts that I've had around getting the business going from a content standpoint as well. There is so much work left to do. So with that, folks, thank you 
very much for checking out this episode of Disc Media, a startup story. I love the fact that I get to bring this to you each week and share with you this journey that I am going on to start a business and giving you a front row seat to all the things that are going to happen as we move forward and grow this thing into something interesting. So with that, I will bring things to a wrap, but know that some of the other things that are on my docket that need to happen is we need to set up dismedia.com as a domain. We need to also set up our digital presence on the internet and the office suite that we are going to be using as we create emails, communications, documents, and all sorts of things as we continue to push ahead. Lastly, the other thing that we're going to do is work on setting up podcasts, social media, Facebook, all sorts of things. So many, many things yet to come. I hope you join us for the next episode. Until then, thank you for checking us out and we'll catch you next time. Adios, y'all.